artists have missed the, the, that sense of, of connection with the audience. Audiences have missed that in-person experience. There's, we're all codependent. And so I look forward to doing all we can to not to resume where we left off, but to even go beyond that in terms of meaningful engagement. Welcome to Arts Engines. I am your host, Aaron Dworkin. And with us today as our guest, we have Wayne Brown, who serves as president and CEO of the Michigan Opera Theater. Welcome to the show, Wayne. Thank you, Aaron. I'm delighted to join you today. And I've certainly been a big fan of yours for a long time. Uh, and I'm also appreciative of what you've created with Arts Engines. Oh, well, thank you so much. And it's especially uh, special for me to have you on the show. You're one of my great mentors, uh, and I have benefited from your uh, wisdom uh, and expertise over the years, for sure, um, and actually thought that would be a great way to kind of go into a first question about mentoring and mentorship. Um, you know, I think there's probably a lot of maybe emerging leaders who are watching the show uh, young people who are looking and saying, you know, I'd like to have a mentor in a particular way, uh, but I haven't been able to find one. Uh, I was very lucky years ago uh, to be a student at the University of Michigan and uh, Associate Dean Willis Patterson said, you need to meet Wayne Brown. Uh, and, and I had that opportunity and in some ways that opportunity presented itself to me. Do you have any recommendations or advice for, for young people in terms of both finding mentors and whether having uh, great mentors is, uh, is of high importance? Thank you, Aaron. I, I'm reminded of the session we were able to experience together uh, some years ago. And I'm also reminded of the fact that it was Willis Patterson that you were on the radar screen of Willis Patterson. And it was a result of that sense of awareness and curiosity and interest that he, for you, served as a connector uh, in order that uh, our relationship could evolve. And I would say that's really the key. Look at your immediate circle, look just slightly beyond that, and who are those with whom you'd like to learn more about? Who are they associated with? It's all about networking. And, you know, in, there was, there was a, there was a presidential candidate some years ago who made reference to it takes a village. And in essence, it does take a village. It's about leveraging relationships, uh, information, uh, information interviews, not necessarily just for a job, but learning more about an area of interest that appeals to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know I've been able to benefit from it greatly. So, and, uh, and I certainly try to pass that on uh, as well now. And, uh, I, I, and let, let me, let me add, yeah. it has benefited me as well to learn more about you, your interests, your aspirations. Uh, so it's always, I would like to think, it's a, it's always, it's a two-way street. We yeah. learn from each other at all times. Absolutely. So I definitely wanted to talk about, the, of course, the Michigan Opera Theater. Um, but you also spent a fair amount of time leading music and opera at the National Endowment for the Arts. Uh, and, uh, and as everyone knows, kind of, you know, our nation's funder of the arts. And 
Um, and what I was wondering is that there are sometimes people who say we really shouldn't have public funding for the arts. We don't need that. The arts aren't necessary in that way. What would you say about the role of arts in society and the public benefit of the arts? It's a great question. And I'm reminded of the fact that the position that the arts hold in our country uh, is uh, there's a broader sense of support, acknowledgement that art, the arts sector has a very important role in our society. And when we think about the long term, relatively long term for by American standards, that art support from the federal government has been in place, uh, we continue to benefit each and every year. The bipartisan support that's demonstrated for the arts and culture in our community in our, to, our, to our country continues to evolve. And that's because there's an ongoing recognition that arts and culture matter. It's, it's beyond specific performance, it's beyond specific uh, exhibits, uh, but it's about our lifelong learning experiences to be shared. And what right now, when I think about the pandemic that's underway, for performing arts, it's a real challenge because we are prohibited from providing that in-person experience where artists and audience can can, uh, can benefit. So I think it's, it's something we must continue to nurture and something we must uh, never take for granted. So of course we are in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, how is that working out for you? Um, and you know, kind of keeping in mind that a lot of our viewers are arts leaders, they're having their own challenges at their own organizations and institutions. Um, what would you say has been some of the biggest uh, changes that, that you've had to make so far? Um, and uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, uh, kind of how this might change what you do at the Michigan Opera Theater? I think that uh, the experiences that I go through, my colleagues go through with their respective organizations, the experience that the artists go through, and the experience that the audience goes through, has all to do with this long intermission. It's that long pause. We've completed, completed Act One. We're anxious to get back to Act Two. And therefore, that greatest hurdle appears to be a, a lack of clarity when we'll be able to re-engage. Uh, that puts all the planning cycles uh, up in the air. I can't tell you how many of my colleagues have talked about various scenarios that would enable them to re-engage. And that's, that's a big hurdle for, for us all. Got you. And you know, there's a number of ways in which so many institutions have had to operate differently during the pandemic, doing things obviously remotely, but even the way finances or other things, these various processes have changed. Is there a, a sense that you have of any of these changes that you've made that might remain even after there's a vaccine and we've come back to some new normal? Are there things that you think may have, will now permanently change at the Michigan Opera Theater because of this? I can answer that with a resounding yes. Uh, that being that the nature of our programs for the last 49 years, it's been based exclusively on in-person experiences. Uh, and I was a Boy Scout. And, and Boy Scouts learn early on the whole notion of being prepared. Well, as, an, as a country, as a nation, on the global scale, we are not prepared for this pandemic. 
Um, and for that reason, we need to think about those times when we are unable to provide that in-person experience. How can we still remain connected with our leaders? Uh, for that reason, we've launched MOT at home. The notion of uh, a range of, of broadcasts, of podcasts, of information interviews to keep our audiences engaged. And therefore, going forward, all of our performances, we are committed to make sure that there's a digital platform to satisfy not only the in-person experience, but to build a library of collateral materials which we can draw upon from time to time. Uh, there are so many lessons that we continue to learn each and every day uh, through, this, uh, through this pause. I confer with my colleagues every week, and uh, it's an ongoing conversation and one that we are so anxious to re-engage with our audiences in ways that we are known traditionally. That's about the in-person experience. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, and, there, and I'm beginning to hear this more and more where there's organizations saying, you know, we will see ourselves, you know, past this actually being able to do more, sometimes reach more people than we were uh, previously because of what we've learned. Um, so obviously all of this takes extraordinary work. You work very, very hard. Um, and my sense is that when people work this hard, it has to be driven by a passion. And I'm wondering where, where does that passion come from for you? Where was the spark that let you know the arts were where you wanted to in invest your life? Did it, did it start with voice or how, how did that begin for you? It evolved, it continues to evolve. Uh, I recall my earliest experiences. Uh, I, I studied the violin, but I don't tell many people that, uh, Aaron. I then switched to cello because I wanted to get to, get to know a young lady who was playing cello a little bit more. Uh, but the point is, it uh, starts from the hands-on experience. The Detroit Public Schools provided an incredible foundation, orientation. I remember the first school trip to hear the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and Orchestra Hall. Uh, I recall my first recording. I recall the piano lessons, which, which were encouraged by my voice teacher, uh, who was a good friend with the piano teacher. So it's all about the networking. It's about taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented to you. And sometimes the opportunity is not readily available. If you have a curiosity about it, raise your hand, ask the question, uh, try to find out those with whom you may uh, learn to, uh, uh, that, you, that, you, that uh, you're inspired by. And uh, that continues to be part of, I think, the process that we all continue to exercise. Yeah. Are there, you know, what you described was kind of this, this beautiful landscape of musical experiences and opportunities that you were able to have at a young age. Um, there's obviously all of the statistics and stories of music being cut in schools, and uh, there's no doubt that those opportunities are at the very least more limited than they used to be. Um, what do you think about that? Is there anything that you feel like our viewers can do to try to make a difference so that we can increase the opportunities that young people have to have these critical experiences? It's uh, an ongoing process. Uh, when I think about lifelong learning, it's, uh, it goes beyond an academic uh, track. It has to do with life experiences and uh, whether it's family, neighbors, uh, teachers. It's about leveraging those relationships, 
in order to be strong advocates. Uh, it's about uh, those who are involved in the arts uh, to communicate with decision makers, whether it's the school board, whether it's the city council, whether it's members of Congress. Uh, all of that is an ongoing process. And thank goodness we have organizations like the National Endowment for the Arts, the National Endowment for the Humanities, uh, those who devote their time, attention, resources, uh, grantees and supporters to carry that banner. And I would say there's also responsibility to the artists themselves, not to leave it for others to champion, to encourage support for, for the art form, but to also take advantage in showing up for the school board meeting, showing up for the, for the, for the town hall. Because unless we do so, that message has the, uh, uh, could be exposed to being overwhelmed by other agendas. So we have to stand up for what we believe matters to all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just critically important. Uh, so as you look forward, say for the next, you know, kind of four to six months, um, for you kind of, what would you say is the biggest thing on the horizon, biggest challenge or opportunity that you feel you'll be working on um, and leading uh, on in the next four to six months? I would say it's, it's not uh, unlike so many of my colleagues. Uh, we will continue to monitor conditions that enable us to resume our work wherever we may have left off and to think about and take advantage of this time as a moment of reflection during the pause to make sure that we're ready and anxious and can demonstrate how much to all of our audiences they've been missed by artists have missed the, the that sense of, of connection with the audience. The audiences have missed that in-person experience. There's, we're all codependent. And so I look forward to doing all we can to not to resume where we left off, but to even go beyond that point in terms of meaningful engagement. Awesome, awesome. Well, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but one last quick question. Some of these things, this work that we do can be really tough sometimes. It can feel uh, like uh, we might not be able to overcome uh, some of the challenges that, that we face. Um, and leaders, it seems, often have a, a, a source of something that provides them with that sense of strength, a sense of inspiration, or a catalyst to keep moving forward. Uh, do you have that? And if so, what is that? What do you tap into as a source of strength when times are hard? It's a wide range. Maybe the latest poem from Aaron Dworkin. It may be a recording of a piano sonata. It may just be a moment of quiet in this very busy world of ours in terms of time of reflection. Uh, so it's a wide range of experiences, but it's, not, it's a matter of taking a pause not the kind of pause that we're currently experiencing some three and a half months. But I do believe it's important as we plan our time of things to be addressed, that we carve out time for ourselves, carve out time for our own reflection, our own peace, our own sense of calm. And that's for me a great uh, stimulator for keeping things moving forward. Um. Wayne Brown, you absolutely are one of the great arts engines that is powering human creativity in our field. Thank you so much for taking this time with us on the show. It's great. Thank you, Aaron. I'm delighted to join you. Best wishes uh, and, and best wishes as we look forward to the next act.
Thank you.